Well, he could say anything at this point, right? He could be like, oh, the, the, the body farted. I rode it like a jet ski. And then we did all this stuff in the woods. And he came alive and talked and gave me fresh water. We did blah, all blah, this blah, blah, stuff blah. in the woods. No, not like that. Yada, but, yada, yada. Know, I, I'm yada, ready. Yada, yada. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. This is David. And today I finally watched Swiss Army Man. Uh, so before we get into the nitty gritty of Swiss Army Man um, and the backstory about that and everything, uh, let's talk about quickly the reason we, uh, we're going to be talking about Swiss Army Man. It is one of the earlier films by the filmmakers... The Daniels. It's their only first. It's their first movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once, which won every Oscar. Was their second. Um, but yeah, the Oscars. Let's talk about that for a quick sec. Uh, as you mentioned, David, everything, everywhere, all at once won pretty much every category that it was nominated for. Well, the um, big ones. Well, yeah, the big ones. While movies like Elvis, uh, Tar. And um, Banshees of Inishirin. Banshees of Inishirin got nothing completely. I guess you would call this being snubbed. Although I wouldn't be, I wouldn't call it snubbed exactly because they were at least nominated. But um, but even Avatar and Top Gun, which I wish they didn't get anything for anything, but uh, they got VFX and sound, so good for them. I don't think Tom Cruise was there. I didn't see his little shot in the crowd. No, no, he didn't show up. That was, uh, I don't think he, yeah. he was going to come and then last minute decided not to probably cause they were going to make fun of him and he wasn't going to win anything. So it's like, what's the point? Um, uh, yeah, I, I think we really just wanted to quickly talk about, I don't know what our thoughts were. Um, I liked everything everywhere all, all at once. You and I, um, me much more successfully normally than you try and watch like all of Definitely the bi the best picture nominees, but yep. also I try and watch like basically everything that's like the top above categories, like all the documentaries, all the international that I can, every movie well, that know, an, every movie that an actor's nominated in. Yeah, you go above and beyond. Um, the the thing about these nominations this year is I felt like that they were a little different than most years. Most years, when you have the best picture nominations, you have movies that are kind of hard to find in theaters and kind of a niche thing. And while you had like Women Talking and Tar and Banshees, well, I can't really count Banshees because Banshees was readily available on HBO Max. But when you have w movies like Women Talking, they are not so easy to find and they certainly don't play in the big theatrical releases for very long. Um, but we had Avatar being nominated for a Best Picture. We had Top Gun, uh, Top Gun Maverick being nominated for a Best Picture. And, you know, I like being, I like to see big blockbusters in theaters. So those were like, you know, I was already going to go see those. So those were already checked off my, you know, Best Picture go see list. So all I had was like the seven left. Yeah, so a little inside baseball for me. I had seen five of these like well before they were nominated. 
And so I really only had to watch five more. Um, but my three and a half year old has not been sleeping well. So I've not been, I've barely been finishing the movies we have to do for the podcast. And so with like four days left, I watched Women Talking, Triangle of Sadness, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, and The Fablemans. Um, and actually, before the before the Oscars, I only watched 30 minutes of The Fablemans. I got a nice flavor of it. And I was like, oh, I know I'm going to like that. And I ended up, I, I did like that. Um, you know, I, uh, I told my parents that they should go watch The Fablemans. And they said they got maybe 40, 45 minutes into it. And then they were like, it's slow and kind of boring. And if it wasn't about Steven Spielberg, then it would probably just like fall to the side. And I was like, well, okay, first of all, harsh. Uh, and second of all, I, I kind of can see where that is. I, I think it's definitely a movie that you have to be in the mindset for, you know, if you're expecting something like fast paced, like Top Gun, don't go see Fablemans. Who the fuck will... goes into the Fablemans expecting Top Gun? No, no, no. I'm just saying, I just don't think that they were prepared for exactly the slow burn that the Fablemans were. Uh, uh, the the movie in the latter half, I think, definitely does pick up a quicker pace, but it does. I, I I admit it does take a bit to get there. I loved it, by the way. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. I mean, to your other point, though, I mean, you have the whale, living after sun, which are all having you know, best actor noms that are not available very easily to see. I guess they're on VOD. You could probably Causeway. If if uh, that that dude didn't get um, nominated for best supporting, I would never know of the movie Causeway. Well, and that's on uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I think that's on Apple. Like that. That's the thing, though, is like as we go further down this road, unless something changes, like unless studios realize that they need to put stuff more in theaters and focus on that, which I don't even know how they would make money otherwise. Um, but you can't you can't see a movie if it's on Apple Plus if you have all the other streaming services and you don't have Apple. Same with HBO. Same with Netflix. Same with everything else. I mean, yeah, I think the. The best movie of the year, apart from Everything Everywhere All at Once, was easily all quiet on the Western Front. I think that was such like a like on a technical aspect, how, a, one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. But if you don't have Netflix, there's no way to see it. What did you think of Everything Everywhere All at Once at winning? Because that is kind of the connection for why we're doing Swiss Army Man. I here's the thing. Is like I was fine with it winning. I asked you a question. I'm just going to answer it first. I was fine with it winning Best Picture, and like it was kind of a foregone conclusion it was going to win Best Director, you know, Best Screenplay. And I'm really happy for Michelle Yao that she won. But I told you this off air that like you know we always talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman and specifically his performance in The Master, and I think like Kate Blanchett in Tar is like a comparable performance where I was just kind of like the whole time watching her like and how blown away I was with her. And it is definitely like an over the top caricature at certain points, but like she plays it so well. So it's like, as like the days have gone on, I'm kind of more and more okay with it. And I'm sure Kate Blanchett is okay with it with her two Oscars already. You know, who's not okay with it. Angela Bassett. Um, the, the she was nominated know, I, for supporting though. No, I know. I just, um, the, the answer to your question is that, do I think everything, everywhere, all at once deserve the best picture win? Yes. That's not what I, that's not what I asked. Oh, I, I'm building up. I'm building up to it. Um, the only thing that I had a big issue with was Jamie Lee Curtis winning best supporting actress. Uh, 
I I think not saying that it shouldn't have gone to everything everywhere all at once, but I think if if it did, it should have gone to Stephanie Shu. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted, and the other issue I have is the fact that Tar and Banshees didn't win anything, right? And so, like the amount of the amount of uh, wins for everything everywhere all at once is like it. Like I think I've read several things where it's like historic in like what they won and like that they're like other movies that like the Godfather that haven't done what that movie did. So it's like years from now, are we going to look back and be like, Oh, that's, that's the best movie ever made. Um, and so it's, it, it does. I don't, it's not that how much it won. It's just the fact that the Banshees tar. Elvis. Went. <laughs> no, no. Elvis didn't win anything. It deserves something. And I mean, look, I'm not saying Brendan Fraser didn't deserve the whale. I mean, he probably did. But I mean, look, am am I mad at the fact that Austin Butler didn't win for portraying Elvis, but Rami Malek portrayed uh, Freddie Mercury in one? Yes. Uh, but I'm not saying that it should have just gone to the next biopic a- actor. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but what I am saying is that maybe it should have evened out somewhere. Not all go to one movie, you know? Yeah, if, I mean, if Colin Farrell had won for Best Actor, then I think I would have been, overall, my night would have been would have been saved. You know what I mean? Because it's like, Ashley and I went to the theater to see everything everywhere all at once. We were really excited for it. We both really liked it. I was like, I need to watch it again because I definitely missed some things. Um, and once it, once Paramount and Showtime completely combine and I get Showtime movies on my Paramount Plus, then I'll watch it again. Um but it's just, yeah, I mean, overall, and I want to get to Swiss Army Man now, but just overall the amount it won and the fact that all these others that I really liked didn't get anything, that was kind of the only the only downside to it. So as we said before, this is the first film uh, directed by uh, the Daniels. And so when when I got introduced to this film, I think I just saw a trailer. I can't remember if it was on YouTube or if I saw it on television or exactly where I saw it. But I remember... Um, my wife and I saw it back in like 2016 and we're like, that looks hilarious. And honestly, you know, Daniel Radcliffe didn't do much right after Harry Potter. So we haven't seen him in a while. So we're like, you know, this could be good. Didn't, didn't know who the hell Paul Dana was back then, but you know, went to the theater to go see Daniel Radcliffe, not holding a magic wand. Um, And then we went to see this movie in theaters. And I feel like, this movie is a weird movie to begin with, but to go see it with like a, like a large audience, it's like you could hear people like some people get it. And then some people just don't get it. He wasn't holding a magic wand, but he definitely had a magic wand in this movie that he flicked quite a bit in this movie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So watching this, this time, uh, for the first time, I had never seen this. I remember it when it came out, and I was like, that looks so fucking weird, because the trailer does not hide anything. Although what it does hide to me is the fact that I thought they were just on, like, an island the whole time, like, that they couldn't get off. <laughs> and then, like, five minutes into the movie, he's, like, rides him like a like a jet, jet ski. ski. Yeah, like a farting jet did you, ski. Did you think that the jet ski scene was... um? was like at the end of the film is that what you thought 
I didn't know that he. I didn't know that he ever. I thought he just rode him and then he ended up back in the same spot. I didn't think like. Yeah, I didn't just. I didn't know. I just assumed he was deserted. It was like a Wilson situation, right? Except like right. the dead body talked. Um. So when they get when he's like, oh, you know, I was stuck in the Pacific, and then I, uh, and then he he comes back in, and you see these big tall trees. I was like, is this like, you know, I think I told you I was like, is this like Olympia National Park? Which I guess. I guess it's a little vague where it's supposed to be. They filmed it in like California and like I think Redwood National Forest is what I was read or somewhere around there. Um, but I was just like, I didn't realize that he was actually, I didn't realize it until I looked at IMDb and I looked at IMDb. I forget why I looked, but I was like, oh, there's other characters in this, which in a movie like this spoils the fact that he's going to find civilization. Right. But, but also like 15 minutes into this movie or even less, like there's, he's in the forest and there's just rappers everywhere. And I was like, Oh, okay. So this is like, <laughs> if he walks like a mile, he's going to find stuff. Um, yeah. But then again, I mean, you know, at the end of the movie where he gets back to the shore so easily and so quickly, it's always easier to go downhill than up. And I think that's kind of what this movie was trying to show that, that. Yeah, that was the point. Yeah, that was the point. No, but uh, this movie was just being like, oh, where he ended up was just really hard terrain to navigate to through, you know? Yeah, well, and the the other thing is that I, I guess I just, I didn't think the movie was going to be as serious in the end as heartfelt. I got to say that, like, pretty far along into this movie, I was like, yeah, it's just fucking weird. There's these cool, like these these very cool moments. It's and then they just fucking brought the whole thing together in like literally the last two minutes for me. And I was like, oh, I fucking love that. Like, yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it right this second. I want to wait till we get to it. And it's not going to take that long because this is premise wise a very short movie and runtime. But it all wraps up in a way that was just like I didn't expect that, and it's like amazing that they did that. So. Starting from the top, though, it is so hilarious. And, you know, he's attempting suicide at this point. But just the fact that he's, like, tied up and then he looks and sees this dead body and he's just like, oh, hey, what's that? And But, like, kicks the thing and is, like, struggling. And then it breaks. And when he goes over to Daniel Radcliffe and has, the, like, the heartfelt conversation, it just made me laugh so much. What, how did he end up on the island? Did that? Did they mention that he was on like some sort of boat that got capsized or something? I think he was like running away, like almost trying to get lost, like and kill himself. Like he went out to sea in like a thing, probably like a rowboat that just like wasn't you know capable. And then yeah, he just got stuck. And, and, and you know he he talks later on in the movie about how he's tried to kill himself several times, but he always just has like a this fleeting thing that sort of you know a, a beautiful thought that just prevents him from doing it and so it's like you know the the human desire to live is pretty strong and so you know even if he went out there attempting to do that which they kind of leave to the imagination of how he ended up in the situation but his he does like fight to survive like he he's he's not he's not committed do you when, when you were watching this and it was kind of getting to the end of the movie and i only mention this because you know this is the first part is where he first meets Daniel Radcliffe. Huh. Lack thereof. But um, did you think it was all going to come down to like a fight club situation where he's him and like, like he is like a personification of his inner thoughts. 
Um, or did you think that this is actually a dead body he's carrying around and he's just imagining all this? I read that, a theory. That one. That one. That one. That one. I read a theory back when um, I first saw this movie, and I and I I never do this, but the ending of this movie confused me so much. I had to look up. Like I think I googled like Swiss Army Man ending. What does it mean <laughs> or something like that? Um, but there's this theory that was like he actually hangs himself, and then everything that we see in the movie is like the the him his life flashing by. That's like, everyone has that theory though, right? Like if someone almost dies in a scenario, they're always like, yeah, he died and the rest is a dream. Like you'll like find Bird that man and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, did you, I, were you the one that sent that video of, um, uh, who plays King the Conqueror? Jonathan Majors. Oh, yeah, with Jonathan, Homeward Bound? Yeah, yeah the yeah, Homeward yeah. Bound thing that, like, <laughs> struck when his shadow, soul. When Shadow comes back, yeah, yeah. In that moment, he almost seemed special because he was so hurt by that. <laughs> Jesus. He was just like, but the dog. The dog. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. But, I mean, that's that's one way to look at it, too. But So you thought it, he was just carrying a dead body around and then just giving it this personality. Yeah, yeah, he was imagining like he had gone crazy because this is like actually a really interesting part that like is pretty subtle. But when he gets the phone to work towards the end of the movie, he looks and he gets an email. I think it's an unread email from his dad. Yeah. The, the email says February 2nd. And then if you have been paying attention to his phone throughout, his phone says July 21st or 28th. So he's been gone for over five months, close to six months. I thought that the reveal was going to be that Daniel Radcliffe is going to show up on what's her name? Sarah, Sarah Johnson, right? On Sarah's Instagram as her husband. And he's like, he took him out and like killed him. I don't know, something like that, but that's not, that didn't happen. I do like the dynamic where it was just like him, like Daniel Radcliffe falling in love with Sarah because Paul Dano is, describing her to him but then she's actually the one that paul dana likes well yeah I and I, that's that's why it sort of plays off as like this is him sort of it's his like subconscious in daniel radcliffe like it's him talking to himself and the you know it kind of plays that way i do like that the whole opening of this was a cold open and then as soon as he starts riding him like a jet ski but also like a dolphin the Swiss army man just comes across and like the credits of their names and a close up of their faces being splattered by water. Yeah. It's great. And I might've, I might've missed it cause I didn't watch it twice, but they, they never say Swiss army man, right? No, they said multi-purpose tour. Wait, sorry. Multi-purpose tool. tool guy. Yeah. <laughs> just close enough. Yeah. I yeah. like that. <laughs> I like that they didn't. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of times when, that happens people are like oh they put the title in the movie and i'm always like they probably took the title from the line in the movie but neither is true here well yeah because they didn't do it my favorite ever of that is have you seen the movie gone baby gone gone baby gone i don't think so it's like the casey affleck movie that's directed by ben affleck where like a little girl oh, goes missing no. and morgan freeman's in it oh, we're doing it eventually but and I'll ruin this part for you, but there's this like Haitian or Jamaican gangster in the middle of the movie. And the, he's like looking for this girl. And the guy goes, she's gone, baby. Gone. And I was like, son of a bitch. 
That's my favorite one. <laughs> we need to do a series of movies that say their title in there, but in like the worst possible way. <laughs> I'm sure there's a ranking. Um, so he, he makes it off the island onto land, which is just like, looks like the contiguous United States, you know, yeah. Oregon, Washington, California, Northern California. Right. And, um, I like the plot device where we see like the cell phones at 10%. Right. And it's just, which also though, if he's been away for six months, like that cell phone is just like holding, you're able to turn it off and it holds that juice for like six months at 10%. Uh, he could have, he could have had like a generator on his little dinghy or, or something. I don't know. You don't know. I don't, but I doubt it. Um, and then he like, he feels too guilty because Daniel Radcliffe saved him that he feels too guilty to leave him there. And I also thought when Daniel Radcliffe like was first speaking, he's like, Oh, did you say your name's Manny? I thought he was saying money. And I was like, why does, does he want money? Like I didn't, and, but then money he just goes with saving it. your life. <laughs> pay, pay me. Um, but yeah, this whole part of this movie where they're like on, you know, in like the Pacific Northwest or whatever, it just like threw me completely off. And it's like, oh, this is a completely different movie than we thought. And then like he just starts basically hiking with him. And then I think kind of the next scene is the cave, right? And yeah, so it's the cave and it's raining. And I think this is like my favorite, at least my second favorite part of the movie where he like comes alive. And Paul Dana was like singing to him, explaining that his mom used to sing to him. So he didn't overthink. And then when, when he came alive, he like heard him say all this. So he took that in with him. And, and then that whole scene where he's like discovering what it is to live. I think it's just a really great scene. He's like, he's like, okay, am I dead? Do I sound retarded? <laughs> am I am I not a sack of shit? And he's like, no, no, and don't say that word. It's bad. He's like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And he's like, you're a miracle. I love the Jurassic Park. Yes, I was getting to that. In. You don't know Jurassic Park. You don't know shit. <laughs> I just I love before, right before he's like, da na na na, and then Danny Radcliffe is like, na 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 na. He's like, you know Jurassic Park. He's like, I do not know Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh. And he, he talks to him about poop and he draws like he draws the everybody poops book in the Bible. And then in the Bible, he, he then like all of the it's funny how it like pans out to all of this plastic and trash that he's built up. So he's like clearly been here for a little bit. Like it feels like one night to us, but this has to have been like days he's been stuck in this cave. I guess he has all these like dioramas and things that he shows him. I think the point of where it shows that a lot of time has passed is he gets way too excited about drinking Manny's water. Uh, and then it's like, oh, shit, I guess he, has, he hasn't had. And I was like, I was like, it was not revealed toward the end of the movie. I mean, obviously it's a spit, right? But he's like, he's like, then she can just drink my spit as much as she wants or something <laughs> like that. It's like, oh, that's gross. I'm surprised though that he didn't just come with like a like a plug-in for his phone, like he does everything else. Well, it wouldn't have actually worked. I, I like he finds the what it looked like it was just a Sports Illustrated, and he's like, "Oh, before the internet, every girl was way more special. You would imagine these lives with them." It's just like, "Oh man!" And then this is right when the boner starts, and it's like a divining rod. It's like a compass that shows him the direction to go. 
Yeah. And it, yeah, it's 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 like everything is sparked by like an emotion, right? If it's not love or sexual arousal, it's some sort of I mean, it's 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 like an experience on life that's kind of like revealing how multi-purpose this dude is. Well, too, it's funny is then it stops working. And he's like, yeah, it's the law of diminishing returns. It's like why people have fetishes. And he's like, well, what, you know, what are fetishes? And then he he explains the whole jerking off thing to him. And he's like, oh, you can't because then you, you might think about your mom. He's like, and when kids find out, they'll call you hanky wanky and you have to change schools, I, I guess, or whatever. And it's like, oh, shit, like. So that totally happened. And he's like, Hank, don't worry. When I masturbate, I'll think about your mom. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, shut up. Just die in a fire. <laughs> like, should I go back to being dead? And then he dies again. Um, and then this is when he steps on the bear shit, which I guess is foreshadowing. You don't realize that there's going to be a bear later on. But he, like, steps on bear shit. You hear, like, some growling. And then they fall. Yeah, And this is when the phone comes out. And I think you you may have already seen her before, but this is when Manny first sees um, Sarah. Ramona. On, yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, who plays yeah. Sarah, that you don't meet until like the last five minutes of the movie, but you see pictures. And the pictures on the phone cause them to have a boner again, which like works. Um, and then this leads to the like, I, I mean, would you say the like the weirdest section of the movie? It definitely is. I mean, the whole movie is weird. I mean, it's 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 hard to break this movie down into the weirdest sections of itself because this whole movie is just based on weird. But when Paul Dano dresses up as Mary Elizabeth and then they build like a whole bus and then he's like, I love, love the way this is cut where he's pretending to be her and Daniel Radcliffe is trying to talk to her. And then he pulls off the wig, comes in close. He's like, you can't say that. You you need to say this and this. And then he goes back, puts on the wig, and then pretends. I think it's just, like, really effective on the way that's edited. I love, I love too, that, like, so apparently Paul Dano can't grow a beard, like, in real life. But, like, the way he uses Manny's teeth to shave his beard. And then you look, and he is just, they don't even try and hide it. He's just completely clean-shaven, like, baby-faced right afterwards. But using like I, a corpse's teeth. I like that. This is probably my favorite part of the movie is that montage where they're just discovering new uh, things about him, like uh, like him shaving, right? But then that's like his arm is pulled back and let go. And now he can chop wood. And then that's used in so many different ways. And then, oh man, what was the enticing uh, event? Like what was, what happened when they discover that if he like snapped his fingers, he could create fire. I don't remember that. I know he just did it and his fingers snapped together, but I don't remember that part. I do, I do remember like the kernels using the popcorn kernels into his mouth to kill animals. Oh yeah. 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 To like, to like use him as like a machine gun almost, or like you could put anything in, in his mouth, like a fork and like the crutches. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they also don't, you know, they don't play up the Swiss army man, like capabilities of Radcliffe's character. They just sort of show it to you, but they're never like, Oh look, this is another thing he does. This is another thing. They just sort of show up and don't really talk about it. And it's almost like, it's not that important to the movie. It's more of like a plot device than anything, but like the, the heart of it, the heart of this movie is just 
Daniel Radcliffe's like that corpse being used as a sounding board for Paul Dano for him to like sort of get over his like on depression a little bit or, or whatever, just for him to like kind of come to terms with his life. Well, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the, everything is an allegory, right? But um, the the part where he's pretending to be Sarah on the bus and the part like where he puts on the glasses and he's like, oh, it just makes you look more mysterious and cool. And then he like walks him down like the aisle of the bus all cool like and stuff. Um, and he and he, <laughs> his pickup line to him is like, well, are you sitting alone? Yes. I guess that makes you a freak. And then he sits down. He's like, I guess you're not a freak anymore. I was like, oh, my God. Um, but well, that whole scenario, that is what gets them out of that trench. Is that what discovers about the fire and the shooting out of the mouth? That leads to that. Well, also, I love the part where he's like, "What's uh, she, uh, Dano as the girl says, what's my name? And he says, Laura Dern. <laughs> Which is, is funny because Dano, and it's kind of, the movie makes it a little bit hard to track what's going on exactly because they don't want to really give in what Paul Dano's relationship is to her. But he's like, he's kind of like letting Manny say what her name is. He almost acts like he doesn't know it, but he clearly does because he's like, we find out stalking her basically. Um, I wonder how that works. You go on a bus, you see a random girl, and somehow you find her Instagram. Well, I imagine he probably like one day like kind of followed her a little bit and got more information on her or something. You know what I mean? Reverse I mean, it Google image. Her face. It wouldn't, I don't think it works that way. I mean, I don't think it would be incredibly like he definitely would have had to have. I think he would have had to have followed her, maybe like seen where she got off or something like that. But it's also like she's clearly married with a child. Yeah, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe that's not what her her Instagram indicates. I don't know. Like he's definitely coming off as very incelish, you know. Well, I mean, incels like in the in the sort of like connotative sense when we think of incels, you're thinking of someone who's like kind of angry and bitter, and like yeah, he's involuntarily celibate, like so the, like the, the definition of the word, but right, but he's not like. He's not writing manifestos about why Sarah's a bitch and should love him. You know what I mean? He's just like... Well, the thing The thing is, though, is that, like, if you take his character before he ends up on the island, right? He's this, like, loser that rides the bus, that obsesses over the girl, that runs away and tries to kill himself. But that's not really the dude we see when he's out there interacting in the wild with Manny and, like, trying to discover and survive all these things. He's actually coming off as kind of a cooler a cooler guy than what he probably is. And I think that's a part of it too, is that, is that that whole time that he spent with Manny, he was actually developing his own like unique personality. And that's probably what he, he remember his hesitation about like actually being like going back to the civilization. Yeah. It's that's probably what it like part of it, what it is. Yeah. I, um, I, I I was thinking when I'm watching this, like it's like one of the more normal characters like Paul Dano's ever played. You know what I mean? Like just like the way he talks is more normal. Like he always has such an affected voice in a lot of the movies we see. Like I'm thinking of Prisoners and um, the Batman. Oh, you never seen the Batman, but you know Fable, the Fablemans that we just watched, and um, 
shit, what's the one I'm thinking of? Little Miss Sunshine. There will there will be blood. Little Miss Sunshine, he like barely talks, but there will be blood was the other one I'm thinking of, right? He always has this just very affected, still slow a weird character talking. though. Yeah, he talks to a fucking dead guy. I know, I understand. Like the character in no, the no, setup no, would... is weird. No, no, no. I I agree with you. I meant in Little Miss Sunshine. He's still a weird character, even though he doesn't talk. I don't know. I mean, he's just he's been through a lot, you know. Um. The one thing I want to say real quick before we move on from the bus, because I think we've sort of gone as far as we can, is one, I love the build of the bus is so cool. It is funny later on when you find out it's like 500 feet from Sarah's house this whole time. But then the rotating images outside of the bus, like obviously like impossible for him to have actually built, but it is just so maybe this whole movie is is like an allegory for how we need to fucking recycle shit and quit destroying our natural earth i know you're saying this as a joke but that thought has actually occurred to me watching this film it was a half joke half truth you know you need to recycle more on so that's what I'm now the, the only part of this movie that was a little bit forced to me is the fact that they ended up in sarah's backyard well and wasn't it it was daniel radcliffe who was carrying him right I guess towards the end, yeah. But it's sort of like, it's sort of beg, I think we should talk about that more at the end because it also begs the question of like, well, what does the ending actually mean, right? You know, is it literal? Is it in his head? All that. But I mean, I did point out earlier, like if this is all in his head, he had to have stalked her and had to have known where she lived, right? Like all this information he has about her, all those pictures, like, you know, I think he knew. Um, Because he knew right away where he was, too. I guess maybe Daniel Radcliffe said that. I thought he saw saw her through the window. You could, like, barely see her through the window. I mean, either way. Um, There's a couple things before we move on, I guess, the the next scene. But, like, there's the popcorn and movie night and then the shadow puppets. And you have, like, Jurassic Park, Titanic, Superman. Um, And then there's, like, a cool – this is, like, the montage to the forest where you have, like – him shooting colonels and them hunting and like the music. So I looked it up to get the, uh, the person who scored this uh, is in the band Manchester orchestra. And okay. I love the score of this, where it's just like describing what's happening in the montage, like the lyrics and like, it's just, it's like a very like, the music song. is one of my favorite parts. It's like in the beginning where he's like humming and that turns into the, the soundtrack of the movie is great. And then, um, and then you have Daniel Radcliffe dressed up as if he's going to Disney World, like the really shitty, like Mickey Mouse ears. See, that's funny, but then it doesn't become funny when you realize that that's a picture on her Instagram that he's reenacting. Yeah, then it becomes kind of sad, sad and weird. I mean, the whole movie is a little sad and definitely a lot weird. I like when they're climbing that pipe and he's like, I'm feeling this emotion. Has anyone ever felt this emotion before? He's like, no, you're the only one in the world. He's like, yeah, we're together, but we're separate. Like what's separating us. And then as they fall and get caught, he's like, now I'm feeling fear. And this is, this is maybe another very weird part, right? They fall in the water and then like he goes to get his body and then he starts like, kissing him and i was like is he resuscitating him but then he like uses the the air that he's blowing into manny to fart propel them completely out of the water 
Yeah. Uh, earlier when he was talking about and describing sex to Manny, he's like, you know that cork you put up my ass? Is that <laughs> does that count as sex? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I didn't even remember that part of the movie. I forgot until you mentioned the, the cork, uh, like him using the gases. Cause then, cause you see like the, the, the lake, just the still lake and then the cork coming up from the, from the depths. Yeah. Um, and they have this conversation too, setting up sort of sets up the end where he talks about his dad and he's like, yeah, you, you know, your dad probably misses you. And he's like, if my dad, if I died, my dad would still get a card every year on his birthday for me, you know, cause I auto set it up. Um, like he would probably never know. Um, and then we get to, we realize we're near civilization cause he has to pee. And then as he's peeing, he sees cars go by. He has a chance now to call for help because he has a, a, a cell phone reception and he chooses not to, he chooses to even waste the battery even further. To and then Insta. I love this. As a <laughs> true check... stalker to check <laughs> her Insta. <laughs> Is she still with that guy? Does she still have that little girl? True millennial. Um, no, but the the fact that he goes back, he's like, Manny, I gotta tell you something. And Manny's like, Oh, I gotta tell you something. He's like, but me first. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he explains this whole thing, and then he hears the bear growling, and he's like, What the hell? It's like, oh, and then Manny's like, Oh yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> And then he tries to get him to shoot the colonels, which would kill the bear, which would have been an awesome scene, right? Uh, but then he sees Sarah with another guy, and he's like, he just stops working. He, like, malfunctions. He's like, why didn't you tell me about this? And then the bear claws his leg and would have taken his leg, like, fucking off. The fact that he just needs a crutch later on after a bear clawed at it, and then he fell out of a tree, it's yeah. like, doesn't make any sense. But you have to admit, the front double flip that Manny does to catch on fire is pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> the conversation they're having as that's happening, he's like, yeah, but you know, I'll shit myself and then all my organs will shit myself and then all my cells will shit myself. And then all that shit eventually might combine with all your shit and then we'll be together again. And he's like, don't talk like that. <laughs> no, but then he's like, and honestly, that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Daniel Radcliffe says, don't talk like that. And the other was like, yeah, it's kind of beautiful. Um, and then it's the next day and Manny is taking him to Sarah's house. And I, as this was happening, was like, man, if they find that fucking phone, things are going to get real weird very quickly in this movie. Well, it's an interesting thing because it confused me the first time I watched this. And, and, and again now, because I haven't seen it in like seven years, but when Hank pretends that his name is Manny, and Manny's name is Hank. Like he puts the phone in Manny's suit pocket and everything like that, trying to like disguise the fact that I guess he's thinking ahead. Although if, if it doesn't make sense, because if he just kept his cell phone on him, then no one would find it. He was just trying to avoid his dad. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think you got to delete that front picture, man. Like as you're, yeah, yeah just throw that throw that phone away. Like, I don't know whose fucking phone that is, man. Like, yeah, I found it. I found it in the backyard right here. Yeah. So they, t they take him to, see, they get to Sarah's house. This whole conversation, like they almost get in a fight where he's like, no, you can't take me here. And he's like, you know, she's going to, you know, 
she's going to see that you're ugly. He's like, well, maybe we're all a little bit ugly, like that whole thing. And then the little girl comes out. <laughs> you have this moment where you think, oh, Daniel Radcliffe's going to tell her all these things and show her, like, I have superpowers. And then she's like, oh, that's gross. And then the boner thing. And fucking Dano has to, like, slap it away. <laughs> she's like, oh, my God. She maybe I am as weird as we were we were saying, um, and the then he dies. Where well, so he dies and she comes out and she's just weirded out as you would be, but surprisingly she takes it like pretty well. Like some dude, some dirty hobo looking dude, shows up on your backyard with a dead body and scares and makes your little girl cry. And you're like, it's okay. You like rub his back, give him a glass of water. And then like, I don't know. The whole thing is her, her reaction is weird. She's clearly never seen prisoners. So she didn't know to be scared. But yeah, she's like, she's like, she's like, is that Harry Potter? (laughs) Well, it's funny is the little girl's like, he came out of the woods. He's been lost. And the mom's like, is that, is that true? I mean, in real life, she's like running her little girl into the house and calling the cops, which would have end in the same result right but the movie's trying to be like oh she's this like understanding person everything you know might work out for him and then it's like i don't know that hank was the one who tried to trick them but they're they get hank and manny confused and so they think daniel radcliffe is the one who had the phone with her pictures in it and the cops are like showing it to her right before that they look at paul dano and they're like hey what do i know you from which i think is supposed to be in our minds that like they've been looking for him Oh, yeah, I thought that was a little confusing, too, because the more guys, I don't think there were more guys, I think they were were just like CSIs, but they were like, yeah, his body is going to end up in the government funded cemetery that no one's going to show up to. Paul Dano's like, hey, that's, that's mean, like, stop talking about him that way. And then it happens so fast, the news lady pulls him in. The police give her the phone. His father comes in and he, he's too emotionally distraught to like look at his son's body, but it's not his son. Everything's yeah. just weird at that point. And then he gets on the news and he's like, says it. See, this is where I believe he is an incel because he's basically giving his manifesto on live, live news right here. Well, no, I think this is his character arc where he's discovered like, you know, I don't need this or that. Like, I have this friendship, right? Like, he's found kind of, like, a thing to live for because he has, like, this superhero farting corpse. But I think the dad not looking at Daniel Radcliffe, you're, it, like, not looking at that body is supposed to be, like, for a second, you're like, oh, he's going to get out of this. You know, he's going to get away. Everything's going to get pinned on Paul on Daniel Radcliffe as the stalker, and then he'll just leave, and it'll be fine. And then he just gives himself up on the news and uh he's like oh i can't let them you know the corners in like some very like expository dialogue are just like yeah well we know that he he's got signs that he was a bridge jumper so we know this guy didn't kill him so like they rule out that possibility if you were thinking like oh he might get accused of of killing this guy they rule that out and then they're like oh you know he'll get a funeral whatever um no one will show up to we'll have to pay you know taxpayers will have to pay for it and then i like like, that i like that detail that he was a bridge jumper like he was suicidal too yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do think I like that connection. And so he says this whole thing on the news about how, like, no, I'm actually Hank. That's Manny. And he, you know, he's got superpowers and da da da. And then he runs to go take the body. And then 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead, like her character immediately makes a connection. She's like, why do you wait? You, this is your phone. Why do you have me in your phone? And his line, I actually think it's pretty like, it's, it's, it's so adept because it's a movie, but he's like, you seemed really happy. And I was very sad. I'm sorry about that. And it's just like, because I think this is the type of thing where I think a lot of people do not to the extent of him, but I think a lot of people now in this day and age will internet stalk people, right? You'll yeah. look at people's Facebook page of someone you haven't talked to in forever. But if you get I've caught, never dude, done if that. You get... I've never done that. I don't know what you're talking about. I think only weirdos do that, David. But if you get caught doing it, you look like a fucking stalker. You look so ridiculous. You're like, why are you looking at someone's page you haven't talked to in 10 years? Um, one of my favorite things to do is when I see someone's like, someone on Facebook, if their picture has changed, I'm like, are they divorced? And like, you can go through and like, see the signs of like, oh, like, oh my God, they, re they removed all their pictures. Oh like, my man, God. Man or woman. I'm not doing it for like, Ooh, yeah, this person's single again. I'm just like, I always find it interesting the way people like, will try and like hide that. Like when they come back in, like, but obviously like they, instead of like going from married to single, they just remove the relationship status, but it's like, we still know what you, we still know what happened to you. I'm like a detective. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm doing my own, uh. I'll do my own podcast on it. But wow. I but anyway, my point is it's so it's like I think it's this very weird, awkward thing that a lot of people do. And so when you get when she catches him doing it, you're like, oh, there's like no fucking way to explain this. But I think his line of like, yeah, this is just the thing I, you know, I'm sorry, I was very sad, I was in a very bad place, and you looked extremely happy. And it's like Basically, it's like, you know, I had this fantasy about you and it got me through some really dark times. And I'm sorry, this is so fucking weird for you. But now we we're never supposed to meet in person. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go off with my corpse friend. Yeah, this was never supposed to affect you, but my corpse friend brought me here. I'm sorry about that. So before before we get into the ending, I just want to add the fact that if Mark Zuckerberg one day woke up and decided, hey, you know what I should do? Make a notification bar where it <laughs> notifies everyone who's ever like it notifies you of exactly who ever has ever clicked on your profile on either Instagram or Facebook and make like a, a list from like the people who have visited your page the most to the least. And you could see, I don't know how many relationships that would ruin, but it would, it would definitely like cut down on the Facebook stalking. I someone like I'd get notifications from people and they'd be like, why are we looking at my profile so much? I'd be like, dude, you're not even in the top 100 of people whose profiles I've looked at, bro. All right. I got a lot of time to waste. All right. So you're not special. Get out of here. Um, but w with the ending having to be back on the shoreline where this whole movie started, not started, started, but semi started. Um, but to have Mary Elizabeth and her husband there, it makes sense for the cops to come because he just stole the corpse. It makes sense for his father to come because it's his son. But you have to have the little girl chasing the whole time to have the other two characters there, you know? I, I love when he's in the water and he's like, oh, shit, they're going to find everything. And then they find, like, the bus. And so, as we said earlier, it's, like, so close to her house. But then you pan over and the little girl is opening the book and it says everything on it. I love that little joke that they have there. Like, oh, they're going to find everything. And then she finds the book that says everything. Oh, I didn't I didn't even think about that. Um, um, could have been a nod to their script for everything, everywhere, all at once. 
Well, so I, I read, I was listening to something earlier about how they actually like started writing that in 2010. So I think that was like always an idea. And then I read this quote from them that like the connection from this movie to that, they're like, you know, in everything, everywhere, all at once, you have this daughter who's trying to be understood by her mom. And our parents had to deal with being the parents of the guys who wrote the farting corpse movie. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so they're, them having to understand who we are, like, uh, it's just funny. So, um, so I didn't understand, and Taylor and I were wondering this when we were watching it, is that how do you get a movie like this funded? Your filmmakers who have never made anything before, A24 is a pretty new film. Like, who funds it, and how do you get Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano to be in it? Well, you I was know, reading that's, some... That's a journey. I was reading some quote. Paul Dano um, said that he wanted to do it because the the... Daniel's pitched to him and what they pitched it. One of the lines they said was the first fart makes you laugh and the last fart makes you cry. Um, I just think it was like a very small, innovative movie that they wanted to be a part of. I think they did a lot of music videos before this. And so I just think they, you know, I mean, how does anyone get started directing? Right? Like, cause it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a crapshoot on anyone, like giving them a shot. And there's no, no, a lot no, of people. Definitely. Definitely. But it's also, this movie is kind of an expensive movie too. A $3 million budget. Okay. You, you put up $3 million on my next movie and then. I mean, for a, for a movie that was going to get a wide release, like that's not, I mean, that's kind of peanuts. I guess, I guess. I mean, it's maybe in, in this day and age, that's true. It's just what a chance, though, because it's it is a weird movie, you know. And then, I mean, it pays off for like the investors to put in the money, and a twenty four to believe in the Daniels to then have like a like a Oscar winner seven years later. There you go. It's the long game. A twenty four swept every big category. Dude, A24 being like a relatively new studio, kind of just beating out like WB and Paramount and Universal and, and like major studios like that is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, I think back to the movie, like the reveal when he's he's talking, Hank is talking to Manny on the beach and then it pans back and you just see all the people watching. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is so fucking weird. I was like, at this point, I was like, I don't know if I can handle this last, like, five minutes of this movie. Did you think that he was going to get back on Manny and just ride away? Because I was like, if it wasn't for the handcuffs, I, th I would have thought that. And then, and then it like, I, I want to talk about this beat by beat. Because Sarah asked him, she's like, did you make all of that stuff? And almost in, like, a curious like oh maybe you're not that dangerous kind of way and then he picks up the corpse and he's like yes we did and it was beautiful and she's like oh my god and like takes a step back and recoils and then he gets handcuffed and i was like why is he getting handcuffed I was like oh yeah he stole a corpse that makes sense yeah you're not allowed to do that and he farts on the officer because this whole thing about how he can't fart in front of anybody and he can't fart in front of me his friend and he's like it was me i did it and another fart, right? And the cop's right. like, that's, that's enough, man. And he's like, that wasn't me. And you get a close-up of each person as, like, they see Daniel Radcliffe's body shaking. And the dad is, like, starts laughing. Her yeah. husband is so angry. <laughs> he's just like, oh, motherfucker. Her, her husband is so angry, but her daughter is, like, in awe. 
like the yeah. biggest smile on her face. Um, and, and then he just like, like, a, you know, the farts from the beginning of the movie, he just kind of farts away, which then it's like the whole movie. You're like, oh, he's insane. It's sad. Cause he's, he's crazy. And then he, the body jet ski farts away and you're like, oh, he's not crazy. And you, you could see that the only person who matters that he believes that he's not crazy is his dad, which I kind of like. And then just ending with her saying, what the fuck? Which is like the same as like, she's just speaking for the audience. Yeah. And, and I agree. Like I, the reason I love the ending, cause I just took it at face value. It was like, oh my God, he was right this whole time. Like this body started talking to him and now all these people saw it. Right. So they saw he's not crazy. So it's almost like, do they just take the handcuffs off? Right. Like what crime is he committing anymore? Like the evidence is gone. Like, what do we even do here? Well, he could say anything at this point, right? He could be like, Oh, the, the, the body farted. I rode it like a jet ski. And then we did all this stuff in the woods and he came alive and talked and gave me fresh water. We did blah, all blah, this blah, blah, stuff blah. in the woods. No, not like that. Yada, yada, but, yada. Know, I'm ready. Yada, yada, fast forward. Um, but then, but, but, but everyone can't be like, Oh, you're full of shit now. Right. Cause they're like, yeah, that, one we saw one part of that when now we have to believe everything else in the middle yeah i mean daniel radcliffe was the one that was full of shit until he shit himself so um yeah i love i don't know the whole ending of the movie like really brought it together for me i love like the commitment to it and there's another movie you know what i don't even want to spoil it because i think you've seen it too and so we have a tendency to spoil movies that we're not talking about and this would spoil the entire ending but i love when movies just have this wacky premise that you're like, all right, it's like, there's this crazy person. And then in the end, you're like, oh no, that person's not crazy. We live in this, this reality, like they're right. I, I, I like the commitment to it. Before we end this, there is one like really cool fact I found about this. So the Daniels tried to get multiple brand sponsors and everyone said no, except for Hostess, because apparently they saw such like a positive gain from Zombieland that they say yes to all brand placement or like most of it. That's funny. We should ask Hostess to sponsor our podcast. Please, just Twinkies. I'll just take Twinkies. Um, so I like this movie a lot more than I expected. And I think it just goes to show you like how good these two guys are as writers and directors. Um, like they definitely like they dabble in the weird but it's still like kind of grounded and just like, it was like a very beautiful movie about a corpse farter. And um, yeah, it was just, is like, I'm really glad that we did this movie. Like I, we were doing it just because of the connection to the Oscars. They're like, no, it's a good movie. You know, when you said, what was the pitch to Dano to get him on? It's like the first fart will make you laugh. The last fart will make you cry. I can, I can, draw a direct line to everything everywhere all at once because that movie had me laughing throughout like 99% of it and in the last bit of it the home stretch it hits you right in the feels and and you know if you were to categorize the daniels within any genre of movies it's weird until it's heartfelt and i think that pretty much sums up swiss army man too Thank you for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today I finally watched Swiss Army Man. 